Welcome to Wildly Aligned Marketing. I want you to be seen and heard by the people who need your message and services most, but I know that seems easier said than done because there's a lot of noise online. I'm your host, Natalie Blenkush. I built my business back in the beginning of 2018 and very quickly learned through trial and error that being yourself isn't a cheesy cliche, but actually the key to building a strong, profitable online brand. I'm on a mission to help you own your voice and consistently find and attract the right clients online so you can grow a wildly successful business doing what you love. All right, friend, grab your coffee and notebook and let's dive into today's episode. Hey guys. So today I am talking with my friend Merit Ansa. Merit is the host of the Devoted Dreamers podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts. If you have not listened, you definitely need to check it out. Um, So welcome to the show. Thank you for being here today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. It's just really fun to connect with you again since having you on my show. And yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Yes. We've been, we've been chatting and laughing for half an hour, 24 (laughs) minutes. (laughs) So this will be fun. This will be good. Yeah. Um, so we are going to be talking today about just this whole idea of that our voice matters. Um, finding your voice. It's something that I know I've personally struggled with. Um, You've had your own journey too. And so I'm excited for you to um, kind of bring us on that journey because, you know, when I had um, started my podcast, when I was thinking about that, you were the one that I reached out to. And so we had had a great conversation and it was interesting because in that first initial time I had ever talked to you, like real phone conversation, um, you mentioned something about just this process of kind of finding your voice, which was interesting for me to hear because I had been listening to your podcast so much. So to mm-hmm. hear someone like whose voice you admire kind of talk about their their own, you know, not always um, knowing how much their voice matters. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's a reminder that we're all real people and... <laughs> Yeah, that's, that we're all we're on this journey. Here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So sure. I would love to hear, um, I would love to hear what you have to share with us. Sure. Okay. Well, and even as you're talking, a couple other things came up for me, <laughs> like in back way in the memories, way in the back um, from a long time ago. And I think one of the big things that I wanted to share with you and your audience is, you know, when we struggle to feel like we have something worth saying or that anyone would care about anything that comes out of our mouths, um, if we want to address that, I feel like it's important to go back and to look Mm -hmm. at where that came from. Like that's a message that you've heard or told yourself over and over again throughout your life. And it came from somewhere. And I don't know that I can pinpoint exactly for myself, but I do have a very clear memory of being um, probably like a freshman in high school. And I, I don't know. I was kind of like a giddy little girl. <laughs> and, and I remember having an older friend who was a, a girl who kind of like shushed me. Like when I got excited about something, she would kind of like make me feel as if I should not display that so mm-hmm. 
aggressively or whatever, whatever it was or, or excitedly. Mm. Um, so I remember this shushing in my life, um, in kind of those developing years and beginning to think about maybe even subconsciously like, Oh, should I watch what I say? Should I be cautious about how I express myself? Because I certainly want people to like me. And if Mm -hmm. the way that I express myself is unlikable, well, I should change. (laughs) Mm. So um, I do feel like if this is a struggle, it's really important to look at where it could have come from. What's the source of it? And usually there's a shame element, um, some sort of like wounding experience in our life. And it could be something as simple as like one person one time said this to me and all of a sudden it triggered like, okay, I have to, I have to toe the line, whatever the line is of, you know, not going too off base with my voice or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or with my opinions. Um, and I, I will also say I'm an Enneagram one. So I never want anyone to think I am wrong, much less myself. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, there's that boundary too. like, Oh, is someone going to disapprove? I, I better be careful, you know, mm-hmm. better be careful about what I say. Um, but I was just telling you earlier before we hit record that on the opposite side of the spectrum, there was a man in graduate school with me um, a long time ago also, <laughs> but not quite as long as freshman year in high school. Um, but he said to me, and I remember this super clearly, Um, I would like to hear you speak up more. I mean, this was like in a class that had 10 people, which this was a new experience for me too. Like I went to a big college. There were like 300 people in all my classes. I didn't have to talk. It was great. Mm -hmm. I could just sit in the corner and do my homework and, you know, get a grade. But in this class, they really wanted you to talk. And he said to me at one point, I would love for you to speak up more because when you do speak, I really appreciate your perspective, but you, I need you to share it more. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, I don't know. I I don't know how I'm going to get there, but, um, you know, that it was somebody kind of inserting into my belief system, like, Hey, you, you do have important things to say. Somebody does want to hear what you have to say. And clearly that guy is not following me around still, is not probably <laughs> listening to my voice anymore. So <laughs> I don't know if I like glommed onto that and just carried it with me. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's been a, a bunch of experiences in life where um, it was probably somebody taking me aside and being like, yeah, I want to know what you think. Let's hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, still a struggle though. I mean, we were just talking too about solo episodes. It's like a lot easier for me to interview somebody than it is for me to like sit down and go, okay, what do I want to say about a particular topic? It feels super vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. what if somebody doesn't like that or doesn't care or, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a people pleaser too. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> Same. No, and I love, Sorry. I you know, your comment about the solo versus guest episodes, I actually want to add to that, even with the guest, you know, interviews as the interviewer, um, you know, the, the host of the show, even if it's the other person is kind of leading the conversation, I guess, like, 
I don't know if that's making sense. If you're the host of the show, you're interviewing someone, even your comments, like you're still adding perspective. Like that's not, um, I don't know. I feel like just kind of what we were talking about earlier, it's still equally valuable. Like when we're talking about this idea of your voice mattering, right. And, um, you know, when you make comments, even if it's just a few comments and the other person's talking most of the time, like what you have to stay, what you have to say still matters. Um, Mm -hmm. it still adds value to the conversation. So I feel like that's an important point to make because I know we were chatting about that earlier. Um, and for anyone who has a podcast, if they're listening and maybe they do guest interviews, like you still, you know, add to the conversation. And I love that you shared those stories too. Cause I, even as you were sharing that, I was thinking like, what is it for me? And I, this is really, this is really lame, but in the moment it was not, I had an ex best friend of mine in sixth grade make fun of me publicly for watching VeggieTales the year before. So we're talking about fifth grade Natalie. I'm mm. sorry. VeggieTales is awesome. Like I, I love still love it. I know, but it was, when you said that, I was like, when was that first moment? You know, when you think about like, like, do I have to be careful about like what I say and like what I share with people? And like, that was the first thing that came to mind, which is so interesting. And then the opposite side, the affirming story, which I loved. I had a a roommate's friend tell me, like, you know, your roommate talks all the time. You don't talk very much, but when you do, you have something important to say. And I was like, ah, interesting. <laughs> so it's yeah. interesting, those nuggets that we just kind of cling to, like, I do. Like, do I? Okay. I have something important to say. I'm going to hang on to that mm-hmm. and just kind of think about that. Yeah. And just even as you're, as we are talking about this, I, I feel this, um, I don't even know what I would call it, but just like a caution maybe of like, well, am I defining what I think my voice is based on somebody else's opinion? And yes, that's, you know, and and I think that's common. That's human. We get feedback all the time. I mean, even as little children, you get feedback based on the things that you do. And you start to realize that like touching a hot stove hurts. So you're not going to do that anymore. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Like screaming out in joy because something was really amazing to you and your best friend being like, you better calm that down, you know, like, oh, okay. You know? Mm -hmm. And so we do, we respond to what comes at us. And I think that's why we have to look at like, is there, is there shame that we have wrapped up in the things that keep us quiet? And are we letting that tell us who we are and how much we are valued? Mm -hmm. Because now we know, I mean, I didn't know Jesus in either of those stories, but you know, when we come to understand and bring the gospel to bear on who we are and the value that we have, um, it shifts that. So even if I struggle to believe that I have something worth saying, I am still defined as God's beloved, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I need to sit down with him and be like, okay, what do I need to work through here still? Like it is okay that I have something to work through in order to find my voice. So what is it? And how can, Lord, how can you help me begin to value less 
what somebody else might say and begin to value more what he believes about me and who he made me to be. I think that's the big thing too. Like if I am discrediting who he made me, I'm, I'm really telling him he made a mistake. Right. Like what you did wasn't good enough. Yeah. Yeah. So all of a sudden that becomes less about me and more about like, what do I think about the God, the creator who made me like, you know, he doesn't make junk. Mm -hmm. So you hear that, you hear that Christians are like, God doesn't make junk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think he, you know, he knows us and knows where we're going to struggle in this and wants us to come to him and be like, okay, help me. I, I don't have what it takes to answer that question myself only within myself because I am going to define it by the world. So Lord, you help me redefine this. I don't know. I think that's, that's what has helped me. Um, And it's a journey. I mean, it is a journey of sitting with him, listening with him, asking him to help me to help me to see rightly what is true, not what I make up or what I allow other people to put on me. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that I wrote down in thinking about this is that you can either stay in that place of shame, whether you're aware of it or not. A lot of times we're not aware of shame. Like the first time anybody ever said that word shame, like maybe you might be feeling some shame. I was totally ashamed that I might be feeling shame. <laughs> I'm ashamed that I'm ashamed. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's shame. It is, it makes you want to hide. Yeah. It, that cover word up. itself, it's like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember reading this book um, when I was a new believer that was, it had something like shame in the, in the title. And then the subtitle was something about like when you hate yourself. And I was like, I don't want anyone to see me reading this book. But it was <laughs> such a good book, you know? Um, yeah. But so you, we can either stay there mm-hmm. in the shame, in that place, allowing our value and worth to be defined, whether by people, so externally or by feelings internally, um, or we can go to that source of our value and our worth, which is Jesus. Um, I had a couple of scriptures. I share yeah. those. Okay. Yeah. I would love that. Um, so first Corinthians seven twenty three, it says you were bought at a price and the price was the blood of God's son. Like this is not a small price. <laughs> this is like a huge price that you were paid for with. Um, and the, another word that comes up when you like look at different translations is redeemed. So this great value was given for Mm -hmm. you. And so that's one thing, um, we can begin to go to him and say, Lord, help me understand this concept that is challenging. Um, and then Ephesians one which is just kind of like my go-to chapter of the New Testament as it relates to thinking about your God-shaped dream and pursuing a dream, like something bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to stick on the redemption topic for a second and then I'll go to something else. So this is Ephesians 1, 7. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. So all all the shame, all the sin, all the mistakes, everything bought and paid for. So we can choose to stay in the shame. That's a choice. Or we can acknowledge what's been paid for and done with. 
because mm-hmm. of Christ. And I think that is a place that gives us um, some release and freedom in there. And then the ver- the one that I thought of just kind of today that I was like, oh yes, I want to talk about this. It's this little phrase of to the praise of his glorious grace. Um, and so this is the verse right before the one I just read, Ephesians 1, 6. So the ESV says, it's all this stuff like, he chose us, this is verse four, he predestined us for adoption, verse five, according to the purpose of his will. And then verse six says, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And sometimes I find the ESV a little bit challenging to um, like relate to. So Mm -hmm. a friend of mine has recently introduced me to the passion translation. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is what verse five and six says in that. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Mm. Uh, like that anything having to do with me would bring God great pleasure. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh, what? And to the praise of his glorious grace, like Everything that I do, if I do it to the praise of his glorious grace, if I do it to make his name known, um, I even looked up grace because sometimes we're like, what is that word? You know, unmerited favor. We did nothing for it. It's a gift we don't deserve. We cannot earn it. So his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. Like it would make known that he's done this unbelievable thing for humans. I mean, we are so not God. We are so undeserving. (laughs) And he's like, I love you like my beloved one, like my son. That truth like opens it up for me. Like, Mm -hmm. okay. And you gave me the voice and you gave me the heart and the mind and the soul and the spirit, all of those things are gifts from God. So even though I like hate to be wrong, I hate to say the wrong thing, like, okay, Lord, if I can trust that the things that you want for me are to the praise of your glorious grace and empowered by you, I'll take a risk. To use that voice that you've given me to not sit silent because it it's a gift. The voice that he's given us is a gift. And so, and it's a choice. Like I said, we can, we can sit in the fear and the shame or we can take a chance and use the voice and see what it is that comes out when mm-hmm. we're empowered by him or when we're trusting that he's going to carry us, even if we might say something a little bit off base or that a hundred percent of the people don't agree with. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it's just, it's, it's shifting our focus um, away from us, mm-hmm. right? Back onto God. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's, we need to focus on 
God and what, you know, the truth of um, those scriptures. I love that you read those. I, <laughs> your voice is so relaxing. And so when you oh. read scripture, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I feel that way about other people. I mean, you know, you hear your voice, your own yeah. voice, your yeah. actual words differently in your own head. But when somebody reads scripture over me or to me, I'm always like, oh, it sounds so much better. Right? <laughs> I'm sure somebody that knows something about brain function would be able to be like, well, that is because the auditory centers of your whatever. Right, um, exactly. I do. It's so beautiful. That's why I'm like, I want to read it. I want mm, to read it mm. and have you hear it. And like, if somebody's reading to me, I like close my eyes because like shut out yeah, everything else. I want to hear what's like, true. Soak it in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I can guarantee everyone just hearing that was like, okay. <laughs> His word um, is so good. So yeah. good. I know another thing that is, has been helpful for me and I'd love to hear your take on this is focusing, like I said, not only on God, right? Turning the focus away from ourselves, but also focusing on like the people who are benefiting from what we're saying, the people that, you know, that we're called to, to speak to, to share the message with. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it's, I mean, I talk a lot about that. um, Like those very specific people that we're called to serve. Um, And I feel like there's been times where I've just been kind of desperately clinging to like, this is not about me. Like I feel like who the heck would listen to me or, you know, why does what I have to say matter? But it's looking at God's truth and looking at those people. And even if there's one person that just says one affirming comment of like, this was so helpful. Thank you. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, And I think the other, um, I'll call it a lie. The other lie that comes into it is, oh, I'm sure they've already heard this before. Mm -hmm. I'm sure somebody else has already said this or somebody else has said it better than I could. Well, certainly, you know, this is not new. Not that that's the goal to like share new because nothing is new under the sun. But I, that's one of the things that I'm like, oh, of course, somebody else probably has said this that they've already heard from. And um, yeah, I think you're right. Like, that is not, the, that's not true, mm-hmm. you know, just because you've heard a lot of things on a particular top, like you've probably listened to all the things on branding, you know, um, whereas somebody else might hear from one or two voices on branding and the, vo- you know, the message, the voice they hear from you is like unique to anything else. And so it's like, oh, no, you're right. It is, we are not unlimited beings, we do not have like unlimited time. And so I say, share it, mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't let the, because those messages of somebody's already heard it or why would they listen to me? Like those, that's lies from the enemy trying to say, oh, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. I'm going to just shut you down right here. You know, here's this simple little thing that I can trick you on to keep you quiet. And that I think is the other thing. Like I said before, when I told those stories earlier, like I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know that there was an enemy trying to keep me quiet, Mm -hmm. you know, and now probably even more so like if what I want to say glorifies God, of course, 
Mm-hmm. He wants to keep us quiet. So, yeah, all that stuff is lies. <laughs> yeah. But I think you also have to be, um, you have to be willing to step out anyway to begin to realize those are lies. Because then mm-hmm. somebody says, somebody responds to you and says, oh my gosh, I totally needed that today. And you're like, oh, I was just trying to be obedient. I was just trying to listen to what God's asked me to share about. Mm-hmm. And, or, or like, you know, I, I hesitate to be like, God speaks to me, you know, verbally. Like, no, <laughs> he doesn't really, <laughs> not that I've heard lately. Um, but there is like a sense in my spirit of, yes, this is a message I've given you to, to share. Mm-hmm. Go be free and share it. Go mm-hmm. be free. Do not be captive. Do not be a slave to the lies. Go share what I've given you. And don't make too big of a deal out of it. Mm-hmm. Like don't, don't make it a mountain. Just go use your voice. Mm-hmm. The voice that he's given you. Hey friend, interrupting this episode real quick because you're listening to a podcast right now and chances are you have probably considered starting a podcast yourself for your own business, but the thought of planning, setting up, and launching a podcast probably feels super overwhelming, right? That is why me and my friend Merritt have teamed up to create Your Purposeful Podcast, which is a short and sweet course designed to help you launch your podcast in 30 days or less. Your Purposeful Podcast gives you everything you need and nothing you don't because you guys know I'm all about simple so that you can finally launch the podcast that you've been dreaming about. Not to mention, just on a personal note, that my podcast is truly the number one way that I reach new people, build relationships, and connect with the clients that I'm called to serve. And now through the end of August, we are running a special summer sale. So if you use the code SUMMER30, you can actually save $30 off of your purposeful podcast. So if you have been dreaming about starting a podcast, you've been saying maybe someday, take this as a sign, now is the time. You can head on over to the show notes to find the link to sign up. And I can't wait to see you inside. Yeah, I know. Even as you're sharing this, I'm thinking of this like brand clarity video series I just finished this week and I had two days. I don't know why Tuesday and Thursday, but I felt a lot of resistance to doing it. And it's so interesting because when you commit to doing something like that and sharing your voice, whether it's, you know, weekly podcast episodes or a video series or something, I always have moments of just like massive resistance where it's like, okay, seriously, why am I even doing this? Like, what's the point? You know what I mean? Um, and I just, I, yeah, I always think back to like, it's like, what is the enemy trying to do here? He's trying to keep me quiet. Like, is it going to benefit anyone if I don't share anything? No, definitely not. Yeah. I have a question for you too about like just like a process question because mm-hmm. I think this might help us come to some action steps. So when you planned out that it was like a four part series, right? Five. Yeah. Five. Okay. Did, yeah. And so did you go into that like at the very first one you shared, had you prepared all the topics and the material before you began? I prepared the topics like the focal point for each video. Okay. Um, and kind of like some main points. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you had like a small outline and you said, I'm going to do this one on Monday and this one on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I feel like that is like just a little tricky way to almost fool yourself to begin to get past some of those. Like you're still going to feel the on occasion, like, oh, what do I have to say about this or whatever? But because you, because you assigned a topic to a day Mm -hmm. and you had a small outline, it removed some of the barriers. Like I feel in myself right now, like as we're under house arrest or stay at home orders, I'm like, oh, maybe I should be getting on. Everybody else is getting on doing live video. Maybe I should be getting on doing live video. But the resistance is there because I haven't planned like what I would say. What am I going to do? Just like hit the button and start talking? No, I'm not going to do that. Like, I mean, you could do that. It's fine. But when you sit down and you're purposeful and you're planning for a ways out, you don't have to feel the emotion in the planning. Mm -hmm. You're just doing the, here are the practical you know, five points I want to share. And then the day comes that you've scheduled it and you hit the button and you speak Mm -hmm. and you say your five points and whatever comes out is okay. Mm -hmm. And, and all of a sudden you've kind of tricked yourself (laughs) into using your voice and not having to like be in the moment of like, Oh, what, 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 what would I say that has any value? You know? Yeah. I don't know. Because I feel like the way out of this is to practice yeah. You know, yeah. And, and to see what happens and to pay attention to what's going on in your body and in your mind. Um, and yeah, ask yourself like what you need to do differently to be ready to do that or to take the step to use your voice, even when you feel totally terrified. Mm-hmm. Um, I have done some public speaking in my life and there were, there were windows of time where I would walk up to a podium, my legs would be shaking so dramatically from my perspective, you know, like I'm going to fall down the stage, off the stage. <laughs> that is what I'm feeling. That is what I'm telling myself. I'm going to fall off the stage. It's going to be more embarrassing than if I just said something stupid. I'm going to like roll into a ball and, you know. And later people would ask me a question or be like, oh, you did great or whatever. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, you didn't notice my knees knocking? No, I never, I didn't notice a thing about that. You know, so (laughs) what the audience sees and what you feel are two very different things. Right. I feel like the only way they'd notice it is if you have like the single sheet of paper and you know, you can see someone's hand shaking. (laughs) Because that makes me think back to my public speaking class. And I was like, all right, note to self, get a note card. Like, They won't notice you're shaking. <laughs> or like, hold on to that podium. <laughs> Unless it's like a music stand. And then it's like, rattle, rattle, rattle. <laughs> oh, I love it. It does. It takes practice. It does take practice. And I would say, I mean, I don't know. I'm not like a professional, you know, on tour public speaker, but I have my fair share of events on occasion. Um, but I still get nervous. I mean, I spoke, this was a couple months ago now. I don't even really know what day it is. So, but a couple months ago, I spoke for a mops group here locally and I was like sick to my stomach for 24 hours just and it felt very much like a spiritual warfare thing. Like yeah. And, and my choices were to call and say, I don't feel good. I'm not coming <laughs> or to just go. 
And I knew like walking into the room, like you said earlier, if I can go connect with somebody and meet somebody and figure out like, what do they want to know about this topic that I'm coming to speak on? Or like, who are they? What are they struggling with right now? Mm -hmm. What's, what's going on in their life? It gets me out of my own head. And I don't know much about like the parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous systems, but I was clearly in the one that's like fight or flight or freeze or whatever. Freeze. Panic. Yeah, I was clearly like, ah! And the minute I got into the room and began to shift out of being in my own head, it went away. Mm-hmm. 24 hours of like, I might have a heart attack <laughs> to like, oh, all I have to do is just stop focusing on myself. Yeah. <laughs> Start paying attention to somebody else and their needs. It really helps. It does. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm relating that to, <laughs> to labor pains, but I'm thinking of it's like those simple switches of mm-hmm. like, like being in labor and like taking deep breaths. And it's like, oh, that actually that helps a lot. Like, yeah. Yeah. Not we quite can the get- same thing speaking and being in labor, but you know. <laughs> yeah. But in like body emotions, like our body and our mind is so connected. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And so I do think that the whole thing about like practice doing the whatever it is, however it is that you want or need to use your voice to practice that because you begin to gain some muscle memory about how this feels and, you know, what it, what's going on inside of you when you deliver this. And and then you begin to know like, oh, within five minutes, I'm going to start to feel less nervous Mm -hmm. or whatever it is for you. Um, And oh, if I allow my own humor to come out, like laughter is going to settle that too. Um, Okay. Can I tell a funny story? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a side note. My husband and I joke. So he is kind of like a corny funny guy. Like he tells jokes and I go, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. You know, like everybody else is laughing and I'm like, mm. I, I can see how you might have thought that was funny, but it's, <laughs> it has become a joke in our marriage that he's like, not as funny as he thought before we got married. And I am way funnier than anyone ever knew in our marriage. Like, I, you know, like the things that being in a place of freedom allows you to like gain that part of your voice. Like there was something about me that I was really held back Mm -hmm. for a very long time. I was so terrified of what people thought of me that I just created this protective shield that if I just did not make very many waves and just didn't try to be funny and maybe fail at it and just don't draw attention to myself, I will be okay. And when we got married and I finally felt like I do not have to make somebody like me, he already likes me. We just walked down the aisle. Like (laughs) that has been secured. All of a sudden it opened me up to be myself. And, and he would be like, oh my gosh, you're hilarious. You know, (laughs) and he might be the only person that thinks that I don't know, but, um, but that was so remarkable in my life and something that I didn't expect to have happen. Like I kind of probably would have told you like, yes, I'm, I'm 
comfortable cracking a joke or two now and then, you know, but, um, yeah, when you begin to let go of the fear of what somebody might think of you or what you say, all of a sudden the real you gets to be there and it's way more fun to be the real you than it is to be all buttoned up and protected. Yeah. And you might make a mistake. Oh my gosh. As I've like learned more and more about parenting and had somebody say to me the other day, like learn how to be um, more self-compassionate. I'm terrible at this self-compassion thing. And I was like, tell me what might that sound like? (laughs) And in the midst of the coronavirus thing, she's telling the story about yelling at her daughter. And I said, oh, okay, tell me what that would sound like to be self-compassionate in that situation. And she said, oh, well, I don't usually yell like this, but I'm yelling because I'm afraid. It's okay. Like acknowledge that this is a fearful time. Mm -hmm. So, and she said, speak to yourself like you would speak to a child, which was so like the way we speak to ourselves is so damaging. So like, how would you speak to a five-year-old or three-year-old about whatever it is? Like, oh, sweetie, it's okay. Yeah. You're just gonna, you're just gonna stand up there and talk about that branding thing. And you're going to share some information that somebody's really going to benefit from. Like, isn't that going to be cool and fun? You know, I mean, I don't know what a good example is, but maybe I need to talk to you every time I do a video. (laughs) (laughs) I want that encouragement. (laughs) I'm so trying to learn this for myself because, and, and maybe it's just like coming up with those one or two statements of like gentleness, like, Hey, it's okay to feel funny about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everybody, everybody feels a little bit like that when things are stressful or when you're put on the spot or, you know, and you're going to get on the other side of it and, and be really glad that you shared mm-hmm. something that you care about. Doesn't that sound like fun? <laughs> it does. <laughs> I love I that point though. I love that you shared that because I think about like the way that I'll explain stuff to my daughter and be like, mm. you know, if she's acting out and, and sit down with her and be like, I can tell you're having a really hard time today. Like, it's okay. You know, I know, you know, or just ask her questions and it's just the way, you know, and those are my good mom moments. I'm not always that collected, but, but yeah, like the way that, you know, in those moments I can be so, you know, kind and it's like, it's okay. Like, let's just like simmer down and Mm -hmm. yeah, we need to talk to ourselves like that too. Simmer down is a good term. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just dial it down a little bit. Just simmer down. Yeah. Just, yeah, the, yeah. It doesn't need to be on high. That mm-hmm. heat doesn't need to be mm-hmm. on high. Yeah. And so. I love the the story that you told too about about embracing that you're funny. Cause I love that. <laughs> I love that just like embracing like this is like I'm actually funny when I just relax and like am myself. Mm-hmm. I know, um, I mean, oh my gosh, if you if I had to sum up like what I believed about myself for I don't know, the past like 10 years or so, um, I would say that I was awkward. Like, Mm, I feel like I know, I know, I know a lot of like introverted friends that we just like, and it's probably because people say like, oh, that was awkward or like, you're so awkward. You know, like, I know I've gotten comments like that. Um, 
kids can be mean. <laughs> and, and it's like, but you just take that to heart. And it's like, you know, my identity is not awkward. Like I am not, I still joke with myself that I can get awkward. Like if there's an awkward situation, yeah, I get kind of awkward, but most people do. Um, but it's just like you said, just like relaxing and being like, I don't have to get people to like me. Um, right. I don't have to get people to like, why would I want to be around people that don't actually like me unless I'm like trying really hard anyways. Yeah. <laughs> That's logical. Okay. And I'm it so is. glad you said the awkward word because this is another really fun thing about my husband. <laughs> um, so he, we had this interaction. We were not even dating yet. And he asked me out and we had been friends for like years with no interest People would come, well, what do you think about Todd? Uh, no, he's, he's not my type. And people would go to him, well, what do you think about Merritt? No, I mean, we're just friends. And all of a sudden, like, he decided that we needed to be dating. And he asked me out, and it was like at 11 o'clock at night, I was exhausted. I had was training for a marathon. I'd run like 20 miles that day or something. I was like, why are you asking me this right now? <laughs> and, and I later... I like totally beat around the, like I couldn't answer him. Like I was like, well, I mean, I mean, I just, I just had this relationship end and I just don't really, you know, it was just like a very awkward <laughs> response to his, like, I think we should be dating. And he would say to me in conversations after that, like, well, what is awkwardness? Isn't awkwardness just two people having an interaction that just maybe feels a little bit strange where everybody just is feeling a little bit strange about it. And so why don't we just acknowledge this is awkward. Okay. And all of a sudden it's not awkward anymore. As soon as you say like, this is just a little bit awkward. Cause I mean, you just even said that like everybody mm -hmm. feels that way sometimes. Like, what am I afraid of about being awkward? Like probably the sixth grade boy that made fun of me when I was actually really awkward or whatever but I don't sixth I don't know grade. if that I know sixth grade is terribly awkward. even as you said that I think of like a like super awkward presentation I did in sixth grade where I'm like oh. <laughs> oh. but it like normalizes it when you're like yeah. well that just might have been a little bit awkward and I feel like the people that can in the moment say like even if they're giving some sort of public address well, that, that was just a little bit awkward or like somebody else who does this really well, our, um, worship leader, if he like has the, what do you call that thing? Like the capo or whatever, the little gripper on his guitar in the wrong place. And he'll like mm -hmm. start singing a song mm -hmm. and it's all of a sudden in the wrong key. Cause he hadn't moved his thing. He'll be like, well, that was awkward. Let's start again. And everybody laughs nobody's like, you jerk, you messed up my connection with God. No, it's like, well, I'm so glad that you could just be really straightforward about what just happened. You made an honest mistake, not a big deal. We'll start again. And everybody got to like giggle a little bit. And so it releases all this tension. Mm -hmm. Like we just need to get over worrying about being awkward. Awkward right. is totally normal and human. Right. And it's no one's identity. Like no. no one is awkward at the core. So like if anyone's listening right. and you're like, I am awkward. I even, I even said that not too long ago. Like I had an interaction. I was telling someone and I was like, I'm awkward. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not awkward. So <laughs> like that was just an awkward moment. 
yeah. we move past it. Yeah. It's fine. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what it is about. We, we so desperately want to not draw attention to ourselves, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, oh, I mean, what would be so wrong about somebody seeing you like without makeup or your hair's not done or what, you know, whatever it is, like mm-hmm. right now, as we're all like <laughs> at home, it's like, oh, a lot more people are hanging out in their pajamas. Guess what? Everyone goes to bed in pajamas or yeah. nothing, but <laughs> that's not an option. So I, yeah, I, we're just so, we allow the smallest things to become the biggest things that uh-huh. lead us to make decisions to not share who we really are. Mm-hmm. You mentioned makeup, I have to say, because this just reminded me. So I, like in high school, had like really, really, well, middle school and high school had really bad acne. I would like lather on, you know, found it was just like, you know, talking about identity issues. Like mm-hmm. that was just like, you know, I felt like it just like, you know, totally crushed my whole identity. Um, fast forwarding to after I had my daughter and I was, you know, maybe three months postpartum, I stopped wearing makeup and my skin cleared up. And it was just this like, Oh my gosh, like, because in that moment, I, you know, as a new mom, I was focused on, on my health and trying to eat healthier and stuff. But I had this moment of like, I don't care what other people think of me. Like, why am I trying so hard to cover up something that I'm worried about someone making fun of me or not liking me for? And so I'm just like totally consumed by that. And it was just this moment of like, you know what? I'm not going to wear makeup anymore. And ironically, (laughs) that along with eating healthy cleared it up. And I was like, oh, imagine that. Imagine that. (laughs) Yes. The thing that you're like so desperately using to Mm -hmm. try to fix something was maybe even causing the problem or contributing to it. Yeah. In a huge way. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm. I love this conversation because I feel like we're just like sharing all <laughs> so relatable things. I feel like it's very much needed right now with all that's going on. Oh, yeah. I feel like crisis forces us to get to like the lowest common denominator. Like mm-hmm. what really matters? Do mm-hmm. my, does my family have food? Do my bathrooms have toilet paper? Uh, do we have enough hand sanitizer or bleach or whatever, you know, like, like the, the bare minimum Mm -hmm. and no one is like going and getting dolled up to get on a FaceTime with grandma and grandpa, you know, like, like we're connecting with the people that we love and we're making sure that our basic needs are met and we're trying to keep safe and healthy so -hmm. that other people can stay safe and healthy. And I love that this I mean, as hard as this is, and I know that there are like thousands of people that don't get to stay at home right now because mm-hmm. they're essential employees and, and working for the good of all of us. But for those of us who do get to shelter in place, um, it really brings it down to what really matters. And that is probably something our nation needed, I'm going to say. Like there's mm-hmm. so much that we have been consumed with. I'll just speak for myself. Like my life really slowed down 
mm-hmm. when I, when there was nothing else on my calendar to do, but feed my family, clean my house, watch my kids, do my podcast and, you know, occasionally hang out with my husband when we have time for that. <laughs> but like, it just has all the extra is gone mm-hmm. and we get to reset. I hope, I hope we get to reset and start fresh and not go back to exactly where we were before. Yeah. Right. All those posts about, um, you know, seeing, um, like sea turtles up on the beach and like beaches in India are clear and like the canals in Venice or in Italy are clear, like stuff like that. I'm like, Oh, see, that's what I just need to cling to right now of like, Mm. it's like the, the reset button as hard Mm -hmm. as it is. But yeah, I know I, when I think about like my ideal pace of life, it is slower. And so I'm like, maybe not quite the slow, but this is still a blessing. Like it's still, you know, there's a lot of blessings in it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I would love, I would love to have you um, maybe summarize. I feel like we've gone on a lot of super valuable tangents, but (laughs) to bring it back to, um, you know, just focusing on how much, how much our voice matters. I'd love for you to just kind of summarize a few action steps for us to take. Yeah. So I was thinking about, you know, there wasn't like a five-step plan for how I learned to share my voice. But as I thought back on what were some of the key things along the way, um, so if you needed a five-step plan, or maybe it's just four, (laughs) um, I would say to go back to what we talked about at the beginning and try to identify the stories for you where um, maybe there is shame attached to either who you are or what you've said or your voice in general. Like go, I mean, spend some time journaling. We have some time, maybe some of us right now, spend some time, time journaling and trying to figure out what that is. And um, I'm going to use, I mean, this word confess <laughs> Um I don't necessarily mean confess sin, but when I say confess what it is, like just admit, admit what happened, you know, say it out loud or write it down or talk to a good friend or a spouse or somebody and make it known what, what are those things that maybe you've been hiding because they're those wounding moments that you're like, well, I would rather just bury that. Um, but when you dig those things up, it is painful, dig them up anyway and speak them. You know, it really hurt me when X, Y, Z happened or so-and-so said this and, and then leave it there, you know, ask God to heal that. So I guess that would be step three. So step one is go figure out the stories. Step two is make them known, speak them. Step three is ask God to help heal that. So whether it is shame or something else, guilt, whatever it is that's surrounding those stories, um, begin to ask him to heal that. And whenever those things come back up again, ask, okay, Lord, I I know that is, that has really hurt me in my past and is still hurting me today. Will you please heal that so that I don't place my identity in that thing that happened to me when I was 15 years old, 
but I can place my identity in where I am today with you as your daughter, as your child. And then find a way to practice using your voice. And it doesn't have to be like public speaking on a stage or going live on Instagram or Facebook. Like it doesn't have to be any of those things. It could be, you know, in your small group, saying something that you think about what you read in scripture or at the dinner table, you know, talking about something that you've read, or, I mean, it could be just very small ways to begin to use your voice to say something that you wouldn't ordinarily say. And for me, I would know, like even in some group settings, I would know that I needed to speak when I started to think about something I wanted to say and my heart started to beat out of my chest. Like I felt like everyone around me could hear my heart beating. It was beating so hard. I, would, I was so terribly nervous. My armpits are sweating. You know, so there's these physical things happening in your body. And it's like, I took that as God saying to me, speak my child, speak mm-hmm. your truth. And if my voice sounded shaky or nervous in the first 30, 60, 90 seconds, that is okay. Somebody else might relate to the fact that what I'm about to say might be terrifying for me or, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's terrifying for the other, we all kind of deal with this in our own ways. So find a way to practice, practice whenever you can and begin to use your voice because your voice is valuable and because you're valuable because of who made you, because you are his beloved. We Mm -hmm. want to hear from you. Yeah, that's so good. I love those points. That's, that's, I think it was oh, five. Beautiful. <laughs> However many points it was. Yeah. So where can we find you? Ah, well, listen to the Devoted Dreamers podcast, you know, in your spare time. Um, I am, I will say um, Instagram is a good place to find me. There's a lot of historical stuff on Instagram. I'm having a hard time finding my voice on Instagram right now mm-hmm. because everything that I want to share seems maybe not as important as the stuff that we're going through right now. And so I will share my podcast episodes there, but I'm at Merit J-O on Instagram. Um, so if you want to just be like, oh, what's on the Devoted Dreamers this week, you can go check there. Um, I also have a Facebook group. So if you wanted to hop in and hang out with some other Christian women, um, ask some questions, I'd love to have you join the Devoted Dreamers Insiders group. That would be awesome. Um, But yeah, I am trying to figure out like, where do I want to be online right now? Because it feels like a different season of life and I'm not rich. I'm not sure what the answer is at this point, but Facebook, Instagram, podcast. (laughs) There you have it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. Oh, thank you, Natalie. Thanks so much for listening today. If you love this podcast episode, there's two things I want to invite you to do right now. Number one, head on over to Instagram and send me a DM at natalie.blankush. I would love to hear any questions that came up and takeaways that you had from this episode. And number two, if you haven't already, head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a rating and review. It means the world to me because I love hearing what you're learning and how the show has impacted you, but it also creates an even bigger ripple effect by helping other women to cover this podcast. All right, that's it for today. I will talk to you on the next episode.